You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Good morning, good evening, and good day. Welcome to the Drone You News Show. Joining me, as always, is the Flying Dutchman. And you know me, well, my call sign, I am taking a flight. In this week's drone news, though, we're going to hop right into this week's biggest story, which was the front page of the New York Times, as security concerns are once again rising with, well, the world's most popular drone manufacturer. Haya, I hope you're having a good morning, but uh, what do you have here, buddy? Yeah, good morning, Paul. I mean, this morning when I woke up and I was checking the news, I mean, on the front page of the New York Times, there's an article called A Popular Chinese-Made Drone is Found to Have a Security Weakness. And when they say popular, what they really uh, mean is DJI. So what happened is two cybersecurity companies looked into DJI's um, Android app. So not the app for the iPhone, but the app for Google's uh, Android system. And they found that there's actually a way for DJI to update the app and also to get information through the app, uh, not just from the drone, but also from your phone. So it's it's not just limited to information that the drone would collect. It's actually able to get more information from your smartphone. And we all know uh, your smartphone is key. So the fact that this now surfaces and is published on the front page of the New York Times is, is pretty concerning, I would say. Brendan Schulman already replied to it. And in a statement, he said that... Um, the safety feature in the Android version of one of our recreational flight control apps blocks anyone from trying to use a hacked version to override our safety features such as altitude limits and geofencing. That's bullshit. Uh, Brandon Schulman, spokesman for DJI, said in the statement, if a hacked version is detected, users are prompted to download the official version from our website. He added that the feature was not present in software used by governments and companies. So Brandon is defending this, saying that, hey, we're... We want to make sure that people use the official app with geofencing and altitude restrictions built in. And if they hack that, then we'll force them to update back to the official version. That sounds fair. But at the same time, the problem is that the Chinese government has the right to request information from Chinese companies. So if DJI is collecting, in fact, information from the drone and possibly from your Google smartphone, and the government might be able to get their hands on that information, then yeah, in fact, those drones would be spying for the US government. Now, these cybersecurity concerns have been going around in the United States uh, starting back in 2017. We're now in 2020. Uh, it's been three years. The stories keep reoccurring. They keep getting more confident. And with the current administration in place as well, I don't see these concerns going away anytime soon. And I think it's, uh, it's harmful for DJI as a brand. And of course, what might happen is that the government might say that, hey, uh, any federal government organization or agency is no longer allowed to use Chinese drones. That will be a big concern. We know that some departments already have stopped using DJI drones. My worry would be that if that happens at a federal level, likely it would trickle down to state levels and it would impact the use of drones by first responders. And that's a big worry because we've seen how effective drones can be in helping to save people's lives. So if we're not able to use uh, DJI drones anymore, then that's a problem, especially because there really aren't any good alternatives. I mean, we have Skydio, we now have the Parrot Anafi USA. Those drones are 
not quite available in the numbers that we need them. So they would have to step up production in order to be able to uh, to replace DJI drones. So and, and uh, let's be Rory, honest, Haya, because the Anafi drone, it just it really does not fly um, very stable. I mean, this has kind of been a characteristic of that aircraft for quite some time. And I, I have some questions for you because Brendan Schulman saying that using a hacked version, do you mean of the app? Because we just put out that article and discussed just last week about how hacking your drone is actually uh, a very safe thing to do. But to clarify, we were talking about hacking the actual drone, not hacking the application. I am aware of a hack that's on GitHub where you can change uh, the root um, I forget exactly what it does, but essentially allows the user to change the entire firmware and also utilize an older version of DJI Go to fly that drone. So that being said, Haya, also, how many people do you know that actually fly drones on an Android device? Because huh. I don't know very many. Well, good points that you bring up. I mean, what they mentioned here in the article is um, hacking the drone so that you would take away the altitude restriction. So they don't talk about all these other things that you might uh, be able to. They don't specifically talk about hacking the app. They're more talking about enabling the drone to fly faster and fly higher. In terms of the numbers of people that uh, use their DJI drone on a Google Android phone, they are mentioning here hundreds of thousands of people. So... I fly from an iPhone most of the time as well, although sometimes I do actually use a uh, an, an Android phone. They're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. So I agree with you that most folks that I know fly from Apple devices, uh, but apparently that might not be the case when you look at this issue uh, throughout the country or even at a global level. Yeah, very interesting, Hi. Just once again, you know, it makes me think of how many times we have been on this show and on the podcast just telling people some basics about flying these drones, which is, you know, don't use an internet-enabled device if you want to avoid security issues. But it seems like people prefer convenience over doing what's right, Haya, which is no surprise. But that being said, even though my pessimistic nature can sometimes get the best of me, there is so much good news to report as well. As drones for good, well, they keep saving lives from a SAR team to, well, a team of children. I'll call them a team, a family of children. In addition, it looks like Drones for Good may also be inhibiting, well, illegal sunbathers. But I'm not sure, Haya, that I know anyone who would file a complaint for illegal nude sunbathing. Just, just me. Yeah, uh, let's start with the uh, the rescue of the man and the three kids. We'll get to the sunbathing, uh, I guess, in a second. This happens in uh, on the James River in Concord, Virginia, where a rescue uh, took place. And the rescue team used a DJI Mavic 2 Enterprise Jewel to save a man and three kids from the river. It happens time and time again, right? I mean, you're looking for missing people. And what uh, more and more rescue teams are finding is that with a drone, you're able to much faster cover much larger areas and look for missing people. Now, especially when you have a drone that's equipped with a thermal camera, it becomes really easy to distinguish human beings from their surroundings. In this case, they, uh, they did have a thermal camera on their drone as well, and they were able to safely rescue these people. The fire chief, Stephen Hamlet, said that the drone cuts down tremendously on the response time as well 
well as on the manpower that is required to locate missing people. This drone was bought with a grant that they received, and it's one example to show you, like, hey, this is how drones can be used, this is how drones can make first responders work more efficiently and actually help to save people's lives. And I think that's why, um, at least that's, that's one of the things we focus on with Drone Excel, is we want to push these stories to the foreground to show how drones can benefit our society. And this is just one of the most recent examples that we have. Definitely, definitely. Well, moving into our rapid round of quick news tips, Haya. I know that there is so much news to cover this week and you want to get through it all. So let's go ahead and rapid round these next articles coming through. The first one in these new quick news updates is Skydio 2 is now proclaiming, well, Precision Super Zoom, which has some experienced drone pilots questioning and scratching their heads. What do you have? Yeah, so recently Skydio introduced the X2, the D and the E versions. One is for the defense purposes, the other one is for enterprise customers. And this drone has some new software solutions made available by Skydio. Now, Skydio confirms in a tweet that some of these solutions will also be made available for the existing Skydio 2. That's the drone that flies itself and that a lot of people have reserved, but a lot of people are still waiting to get their hands on. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, Skydio has been backed up. They weren't able to produce these drones in the quantity that they envisioned. But they're saying now that a couple of features are going to be made available, most likely in Q4, when the X2 is expected to hit the markets. And it includes the uh, precision modes, the 180 vertical view, and 360 super zoom. And the 360 degree super zoom feature is the one that we want to highlight here. Basically, using all those cameras on the um, Skydio 2 drone, you're able to create this 360 degree aerial view, but with software zoom or digital zoom you're able to zoom in onto any subject or topic by a factor of 100 now it's quite amazing i mean in terms of surveillance for instance you would be able to fly this drone scan an area real quickly and when you see something suspicious or you see something interesting you would be able to zoom in digitally to 100 times now i think this is what you were uh, referring to earlier when you zoom in 100 times it, it becomes very important to have a very stable view and it remains to be seen how stable this will be of course uh, if it's a windy day or if your drone is not calibrated uh, properly zooming in a hundred times might be very challenging unless they have figured out a way to digitally stabilize that view we'll have to see i mean skydio has been promising a lot and i think they've been struggling to live up to their promises i mean one example was to get these drones in the hands of people of course coronavirus is not their fault but it has impacted them it will be interesting to see if it also impacts uh, their production and also their ability to provide these solutions come the end of this year so we'll definitely keep an eye on it it's a very interesting feature it remains to be seen how effectively it will work in, uh, in reality yeah i couldn't agree more well said haya when you have such a small drone like that you wonder how it will be stable enough to not have you know drift in the feed additionally it's exciting to see that skydio is adding more features to drones that are already in people's hands that's uh, something we talked about when uh, DroneU met Skydio upon the release of the new drone and we filmed that whole bit uh, out in Las Vegas. It was a lot of fun. And G, our good friend, he said, you know, you should expect to see new features coming to this drone. We want to use this as a platform. Although I do have a lot of hesitancy in how this super zoom 
would work on the existing camera payload that we see on the Skydio 2, which brings about more questions than it does answers. Next in the quick tips, AirSense technology, ADS-B, what do you have? Yeah, this was really cool. I mean, somebody uh, shared a video that is shot from a drone and it's, it's a very short video clip, but if you pay close attention, you see around the 17 second mark, you see this shadow quickly coming over a line of trees. And the story is that this guy was flying a DJI Mavic Air 2. He had ADS-B in activated, meaning that if a airplane flies with ADS-B out activated, this drone will be able to pick up those signals and then warn the drone pilot in the DJI Fly app of an approaching manned aircraft. That's exactly what happened in this case. This drone pilot got the warning in time. He was lowering his drone. And as he's doing so, and he's still recording, you can actually see that shadow just fly right over the, uh, the tops of the trees. And it's a great example of this technology in action. We have seen a number of cases where helicopters surprised drone pilots and they came flying right up to the drone, like really, really close, very dangerous situations. And that has caused DJI to think about what other safety features they could include in their drones. And they announced this last summer saying that DJI AirSense, as they call it, which is ADS-B in, would be included on all their drones going forward as of January 1st, 2020, all drones weighing more than 250 grams so the dji mavic mini that they released uh, in the fall of last year does not have this technology on board but the dji mavic air 2 and the dji matrice 300 they do and it's great to see that it works um this could have been a dangerous situation of course uh, the pilot was able to bring down the drone in time and avoided that dangerous situation and yeah i think it's a great feature i wish that other drone manufacturers would include features like this as well in their unmanned aircraft Agreed, Haya. Agreed. There's a lot of uh, valuable tech in that when you can have better spatial awareness. So moving on next, it looks like there still is absolutely no conclusion on who was flying those Colorado drones. Haya, what have we not learned from the FAA? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, we haven't learned much in this case. This took place at the end of last year going into 2020. Over the plains in Colorado North, what is that, northeast of Denver, there were these mysterious lights in the skies and there were formations of aircraft. They suspect unmanned aircraft. And it, it hit the news continuously for, I think, two or three weeks in a row. The FEA got involved and... Not a heck of a lot was published at the time, but what happened is that the drive, they actually filed for a number of FOIA requests and got a lot of the official FAA documentation. So we're talking about uh, memos, emails, and all that stuff surfaced. And what has become apparent is that even the FAA has no idea uh, what the heck was flying in, uh, in Colorado. They did contact DJI at one point, or actually I think DJI offered to use a DJI Aeroscope to see if any DJI products were being flown. There's been no indication that any DJI drones were actually part of this. We still don't have a definitive answer on what was happening. Of course, it could be some secretive operation and therefore it won't be disclosed. We don't know, but it's interesting to see these official documents and at least kind of get a, a glimpse of what's taking place behind the scenes or behind the curtain uh, within the FAA. For sure, Haya. And uh, it seems based off of those FOIA requests that we see a pattern with these investigations, which is a lot of back and forth email 
very little specifics, very little understanding of what's going on. And I will say, Haya, you know, I'm gonna be doing a very long piece on this as there are some key pieces of evidence that uh, I noticed and I noticed and I'd like to uh, put out to the world. But I think that there are really only three plausible outcomes. Outcome number one possible is a foreign intelligence, someone, you know, trying to map critical infrastructure and really get good information. Point number two is absolutely nothing at all. Uh, and then point number three is a military or government or clandestine mission by the U.S. government to test maybe some drones and to test the capability. But Haya, I will say, uh, you know, we were in Colorado a couple weeks ago and we actually met an eyewitness of this particular event. And Haya, I just have to say, I'm really not sure that anything really ever happened with this story, but uh, I've got a lot more to say on that and we'll be launching that article this weekend. So keep an eye out for that, which actually brings me to a quick point in the news segment. We've got a correction from last week when we talked about how many drone crashes have there been in comparison to how many drones are currently in the United States. Well, I got two corrections. Uh, correction number one is that there have been three confirmed uh, crashes between drones and uh, other manned uh, aircraft in the entire United States. So just three confirmed, three unconfirmed. And I want to make a point, too, to say that uh, the Kauai incident, I wanted to just say that uh, my information had come from a local. And uh, after corroborating that information, it seemed like it wasn't quite correct. So apologies from my side on that, Haya. But I just want to make sure that we're getting out the right information to the right people. But moving on, it seems like the pandemic might be a good thing for the drone industry as more and more businesses are forced to find ways to social distance and, well, create efficient methodologies and workflows to get problems solved. Haya, what's going on? Yeah, this is really cool. We have three different stories, basically, and they all have to do with drones that spray disinfectants to clean large public areas. So think about concert venues, sport arenas, stadiums and the like. We have one company in Syracuse, New York, that's working on this. The idea is, and this, this is what we heard from DJI, where they use drones, the agricultural drone from DJI, the Agra T16, in China to spray public spaces. And they said that drones are 50 times faster and more efficient in cleaning out these areas than if you were to do it in a traditional method, meaning you have a human being with a spray tank and a spray gun uh, walking these areas. So drones are faster, but not just faster. They're also safer because now you don't need a human being to actually enter those areas as well. There's one company in Syracuse that's working on this. Eagle Hawk is their name. And there are two more companies that are working on this as well. And they have made, they've added some other technology to this spraying uh, method. And what they do is they electrostatically charge the mist as it leaves the nozzle. And the benefit of doing this is that apparently the spray then attaches better to the surfaces that you're spraying. So think about a drone flying at about eight feet over chairs or seats in a stadium, spraying the mist when it's electrically statically charged allows the mist to better bind to the surfaces, but also attach itself to the underneath side of these areas, supposedly. So that would mean a more thorough cleaning or sanitizing of these areas. One company is Areas Falk company that's using uh, drones in this way. They claim that they can clean a stadium in about three hours 
and that um, the seeds, even if they're heavily used, would stay disinfected for up to three to four days. If it's an area that's not so heavily used, it might actually stay disinfected for up to weeks. And they can do about 20 acres per hour, which is crazy because I don't think you would be able to get anywhere near uh, that kind of capacity if you do it uh, manually. The third story that we have that has to do with the exact same is a drone company in Florida that used their drones to clean buildings and structures. But since the coronavirus pandemic, their business pretty much disappeared. So they were forced to rethink their business model and they pivoted and reconfigured their drone to be able to electrostatically spray this disinfected mist as well. They have a modified 55 pound drone. So that's a pretty heavy and large unmanned aircraft. And they've been using that to clean stadiums, schools, parks, music venues, and even airports. So it's like a whole different section that is emerging as a result of the coronavirus pandemic where drones are being used again to benefit society and to do work in a safer and more efficient way. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool, which kind of goes right into our next story, which it seems like once again, the pandemic furthers the drone industry as one company in North Dakota continues on the exploration of drone delivery. Haya, what's going on up there in the upper northern Midwest? Yeah, so that's exactly one of the areas uh, that's been taking off is deliveries by drone. Now, Flytrax has been testing this in Reykjavik, Iceland, and they've successfully completed thousands of drone deliveries already in 2018. Now they're getting ready to uh, perform the same kind of services in North Dakota and North Carolina. And they're super enthusiastic and excited about this. They think that we're going to see thousands and thousands of deliveries made by drones starting in 2021. Now, of course, we'll have to kind of wait and see if it actually happens. I mean, everybody remembers uh, Jeff Bezos saying that, hey, uh, five years from now, and this was back in 2013 when he said this, five years from now, uh, deliveries by drone will be a routine uh, occurrence. Now, we're in 2020 right now, and it still is not routine, even though we have seen way more testing of deliveries by drones uh, in the last uh, year or so. Again, Flytrax is super excited. They got a hexacopter that is able to carry a payload of six and a half pounds up to 40 miles per hour over a six mile radius. So you can already imagine now you need um, a waiver to fly beyond visual line of sight. You need to be able to fly these deliveries directly to consumers. So you won't be able to make these deliveries with a simple part 107 certificate. Uh, there's a lot more stuff involved. Uh, you might be flying over crowded areas. So now we're going to wonder about how safe is your drone? Does it have a parachute system or other redundancy systems to make sure that it won't crash and create a hazardous situation? So there's a lot of things that come into play. Flytrax claims that they can make up to 15 deliveries per hour per drone compared to about two or three deliveries they say that a, a human being with a van would be able to make. I'm not quite sure if those numbers are accurate. I mean, it's, it, it very much would depend on the uh, area in which those deliveries are being made. Is it remote or is it a suburban area, for instance? However, Flytrax uh, also got uh, $11.5 million in funding. So at least they seem to be well-funded. They have a CEO that's very uh, excited and enthusiastic about this. So. Uh, we'll keep an eye on them and who knows maybe we will see those thousands of deliveries being made in the next year who knows haya but it is exciting either way um either way now in our last section of drone news as we continue to explore the industry verticals that are really being aided by the pandemic we get to 
Well, utility inspections. And before I hand it over to Haya, I just want to say how proud we are at Drone U to have been such a critical piece of this uh, this power line inspection. And it's so it's really empowering because it's not like I'm saying one of our Drone U instructors went and did this and got paid as Drone U. Rather, what I'm saying is I'm so excited that one of our students who took our mapping class, our subject tracking class, our flight mastery class, and you know, really mastered flight. And then he used that and all of that deep intellectual workflow systems and habits to position himself to really become a powerhouse, major powerhouse uh, in this particular industry. And I know that this individual has worked on both of the following stories that you're about to bring up. And so I just wanna congratulate our good friend, Paul. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about another Paul. Um, you're awesome, my friend, and I'm very excited for you. And I'm very happy that you have had such success because we really built DroneU for people like you, for people who are willing to help themselves and who are willing to use our information while it is detailed and full of lots of details and nuances. But he used that information and then ran with it. And frankly, that's why we do what we do here at DroneU, which is to really propel you. So Haya, please get into how utilities are switching to drones permanently. Yeah, so this takes us to uh, California. I mean, as you guys know, there's been a number of wildfires that took place over the last couple of years in Florida and California. Probably the one that's most infamous is the one in, uh, in Paradise, where an entire town basically got burned to the ground. Now, what they found is that a lot of these wildfires are being sparked by poorly maintained power lines, transmission lines. And what happens is in California, they have reservoirs where they create hydroelectric and um, that then needs to be transported to the coastlines where the bigger cities are and where all the people live. So through all these mountainous and rugged areas, they have millions and millions of miles of power lines that bring the electricity to the areas where it's needed. Now, the problem is that a lot of this was built back in the 1920s and it's been poorly maintained properly, one, because there wasn't enough funding, but secondly, also, these areas are very rugged and very hard to access. So uh, with labor costs going up in order to get enough manpower to these areas to maintain and inspect these transmission poles, it's not an easy thing to do. And I've seen pictures where, where the hooks that carry those lines uh, have basically been eroded and they've lost, let's say, almost, well, I don't know if the dimensions are quite right, but they would have lost, let's say, 90% of the metal of that hook carrying that line. And when that breaks and the line comes down and, and uh, hits the ground, sometimes there are sparks and those sparks might ignite fires. Uh, PG&E has just come out of bankruptcy because they've been held liable for a number of these fires. And what we now find is that both PG&E and also Southern California Edison, uh, they have a lot of maintenance work to catch up with. And the first step in doing that maintenance work, of course, is doing the inspections of these power lines. Now, typically they would use to do that manually or with helicopters. Now they started to use drones to inspect these power lines as well. So for instance, Southern California Edison, they are active in the Santa Barbara County in the Southeast Coast. 
And they have, what, 75% of all the aerial inspection work is done by helicopters only. As of yet, about a quarter is being done by drones. They have 1.4 million utility poles, and they cover about 50,000 square miles in high fire risk areas. So you can imagine there's there's tons and tons of uh, lines and poles that need to be inspected. They're now starting to use drones. PG&E is doing the same thing. Um, they have a special system inspections program and they want to accelerate the inspection cycles. Well, they've been way behind. They're talking here in this article about 15,000 miles of electrical lines in Mendocino, Humboldt and the Lake Counties that they're now going to use drones to inspect across arms, insulators and footings as well. So hopefully these drones are going to make a big difference. Hopefully they'll be able to use drones for these inspections at a much larger scale and catch up with the inspection work and the maintenance work that needs to be done. We're heading towards the fire season as well, and we know that some of those areas in California are so dry and they catch fire so easily and so quickly. And then when you throw in the strong winds that they have there as well, you get these crazy, fast-moving wildfires. And uh, it's, it's been a horrible situation, not just in Paradise, but in, uh, in some other areas as well, last year and the year prior. So hopefully when they up the maintenance work and the inspection work, we'll be able to reduce the number of wildfires. And by doing so, uh, yeah, make sure that people are not in dangerous situations. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool, Haya, uh, that this is going on and that they're only accelerating the program. But rumor on the street is they don't use thermal cameras for their inspections, which, uh, which I'm wondering if that is actually the case. But let's get back to that one story that we almost overlooked. Which, well, I'll just say this, Haya, it's causing some mixed reactions in the wake of what is going on with the police. But it looks like in the Twin Cities, there is just one more news story regarding the police. And don't worry, our public safety friends out there, you might actually get a kick out of this. But that being said, it seems like police are using their time to spot the nude sunbathers. Haya, how is this not creepy? Yeah, this is this is kind of a weird story in a way. I mean, apparently there is uh, in Minnesota, uh, there is a, um, a twin lake, it's called, next to uh, Theater Worth Park in Minnesota. And this is a park where I guess the rules are a little less strict. People have been taking advantage of that. And some people have been sunbathing topless or even fully nude. And I guess that has been uh, allowed. Nobody apparently had made a big deal out of it. However, what they found now is that people are not just sunbathing nude, they're also using alcohol and apparently using drugs. So the local police department, Golden Valley Police Department, had already issued warnings, but they kept hearing these stories about people kind of abusing this beach in ways that it wasn't really meant to be used. So what they did is they sent out a drone and they kept the drone at a distance, but basically by, by using their camera, they were able to, to zoom in enough to see what was going on, identify the people who were breaking the law, and then they sent officers to the beach uh, to start talking to these people and to find them for sunbathing nude or topless or using alcohol and using drugs. And you can imagine that uh, when you have, I think they sent about seven police officers to this beach. You can imagine that uh, the beachgoers were not happy about this at all. And apparently at some point the, the situation escalated a little bit. And in the end, the police department decided to not bother these people, get the officers out of there and, and let people sunbathe uh, topless or nude if they so choose to do so. An interesting story because 
What we have seen is that uh, police departments around the country and even around the world have been using drones during this uh, coronavirus pandemic to monitor people, right? To make sure that they're wearing masks, to make sure that they socially distance. So police departments have been using drones to monitor people on a larger scale than what we've seen in the past. I think this is an example where, where people are not comfortable with it, where the police department kind of crossed the line. And even though it's in the public area, I guess when you start monitoring people who might be sunbathing topless and nudes, then I guess that feels as a way of uh, invading their privacy. Now, I'm sure this, this is all up for debate and discussion because there's different ways of looking at this. But it's an interesting story that uh, police choose to use drones in this way. And then when they actually went to the beach and spoke to these people, they in the end decided that maybe this was not such a great idea and they kind of backed off. So uh, an interesting story for sure. Definitely an interesting uh, story, Haya, because either it was a very smart strategic PR from public safety of diverting attention, or it was a very smart strategic PR to say, hey, look, our cops can have a laugh too. Uh, anyway, whatever it was, <laughs> I'm kind of like, uh, most of the cops that I know would be really, really, really happy if they uh, had to use their drone to do recon on a beach like this. So I, I can just hear the, you know, the, the call coming over the radio, and I'm sure every, you know, police officer with a drone was like, I'll respond, I'll go, I'll go, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Anyway, so uh, look, we're all human, Haya, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I just think it, it's kind of funny, but it's a great way to end our news show for today. Because look, let's be honest, my friend, drones are being used for good. They're being used to help our national infrastructure. And they're being used to get work done. And Haya, that's exciting. So thank you again for joining me today in this week's episode of Drone News. The Flying Dutchman will join us next week and hopefully at some point he will be able to walk in the next six. So send your thoughts, send your prayers in for our good friend, the Flying Dutchman. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you, Paul, and uh, looking forward to the next show uh, next week, man. I am as well, as there was a lot of news this week that we didn't get to that, uh, that we wrote about on Drone U which is really interesting because there are a couple of stories that, well, might get you excited. So don't forget to check out the DroneU blog. Just go to thedroneu.com forward slash blog and check out and learn why safe pilots do hack their drones. That's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul, also known as Taking Flight. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. Click and smash that like button or even subscribe. You know what? If you have learned something from us or you're even entertained, show us a thank you and share the show with a friend. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we'll see you next time. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. 
We are creators. We are the Drone You.